Welcome to the 39th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we are joined by our guy Connor, known as at fantasy underscore underscore champs on Instagram. And we recap yesterday's Monday Night Football doubleheader and then get into some of our favorite buy lows and sell highs after week one. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. So, obviously, week one is completely in the books. We got through Monday night last night. And before we get into our trade transactions, the buy low, sell high, buy high, whatever it is that we're going to do, um, I want to talk some Monday night football takeaways. So, Tyler, obviously, you're a Steelers fan. Your Steelers won. What, did, what was the biggest fantasy takeaways that you got from that game? I think the biggest one here is the explosiveness that we saw from Benny Snell Jr., a uh, second-year man out of Kentucky. He was a fourth-round pick last season. And for, right from the get-go, like, we saw James Conner struggle, and obviously he came out and sat pretty much the rest of the game from the first quarter with a high ankle sprain. And Benny Snell came in, and, like, the offense didn't skip a beat on the uh, from the run game. And, like, we saw him uh, demonstrate a lot of explosiveness. Like, he – he clearly lost some weight from last season, but he kept like the same like dog mentality that he has, which is just like pound the rock, go north south, and just like go straight into defenders. Like he doesn't really do much uh, elusively like juking or whatnot. He just kind of uses his power and, and tries to run through defenders. And we saw that uh, quite a bit last last night. So I was very impressed by that. Um, so. As for the long term, like I think that he's definitely a waiver wire pick must add because, like, obviously, we're very concerned about James Conner and his injury history overall. And there's a lot of uncertainty with whether he's going to play this week or not. But even if he does play this week, like, there, the injury concern is always going to be there with James Conner. And now, now we know that there's a competent backup behind him that can fill in and. and get the job done and take the workload if James Conner misses time. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Benny Snell, I mean, I tweeted out in the first quarter, like, he objectively looked better than Conner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 100% game, looked better. Than... for sure looked better. So, I mean, you put that together. I mean, his running style is pretty much Jordan Howard, but he has that mouthpiece that he, like, blows through, and it does, like, the little spinny thing. So, he's, like, a cool Jordan Howard. I He's a must-own after seeing that mouthpiece last night and the way he was running the football. So, yeah, I'm 100% on board with that. He looked really good. Uh, Juju looked good back in, uh, back to the way kind of we expected him to look. He looked really good. Deontay Johnson looked awful in the first half, and he dominated in the second half. So that was really cool. Um, on the Giants' side of the football, uh, Evan Ingram looks like he doesn't belong in New York. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him at some point throughout the season. He doesn't fit that scheme very well. Saquon's going to be Saquon. He looked good when he was given an opportunity, but he was getting killed by Bud Dupree half the time. Um, Darius Slayton stood out. Uh, he was someone, uh, Connor, I know I tweeted at you uh, saying he's pretty much a sell if he scores another touchdown, but he like he looked way better than everybody else in that yeah. receiving core yesterday. Um, was dominating, gets a good defense, and what's supposed to be a good corner in Steven Nelson. So Darius Slayton, props to you. Um, if you own him, normally we would say this is a good time to sell, but honestly – you might just hold on and see what you have in him because like he looked really, really good. And uh, the late game, I don't know if you guys have any takeaways from that game. Uh, Connor, I'll let you say if you have any from that uh, Titans, Titans Broncos game. Uh, one thing on the Giants game, Saquon Barkley, he looked off or he didn't look awful. The line looked awful and the Steelers were just really good at defense. 
But um, nine targets was huge. Yeah. I wasn't expecting a lot of – like, that was my main concern for Saquon this year was Daniel Jones being a running QB and not really checking it down like Eli Manning does. But he was – Saquon was one of his top targets, so that that's really good to see. So – and then I own Slayton, and I'm probably going to be holding on to him now. Like, he yeah. looked really good. But if you can get something good for him, get something, like, good for him. Like, package him with someone and upgrade really – like really upgrade with him, but I, I'd be holding on to him. And um, for the Broncos game, uh, Melvin Gordon, he looked much better than I thought he would look from what he looked like in L.A. And uh, behind that line, I, I think he can do really good things this year. Just, But we're going to have – we're going to be talking about him uh, soon enough, so we'll get into that later. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Oh, and Jerry Judy, he runs some very nice routes. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that route that he ran, like, and, like, he caught the ball in the middle of the field and stopped. Yeah. Like, oh, that was you – know, there's there's so much Odell in his game. And, like, yeah. Stephon Diggs, it's super cool to watch. Um, Yeah, pretty much same takeaways as you. Uh, Derrick Henry is going to be Derrick Henry. He did mm-hmm. run 22 routes yesterday. I don't know if that's uh, the fact that their pass catching back was out or maybe he's actually right. just getting those routes. But that's really cool for him. Um, my last takeaway from that game is one, the Broncos really need Cortland Sutton Two, Noah Fant is going to be a thing this year. Um, the times he caught the football, he looked yeah. really freaking good. Like that's the only way to put it. He just looked really confident with the with the ball in his hands. Um, I think he went like five of five in the first half. And then I don't know what Pat Shermer was doing. He did Pat Shermer things. He completely took him out of the game and they lost. So, I mean, the Broncos kind of got what they deserved there and Noah Fant should have kept eating, but it's whatever. Um, good, good week of football all the way around. Um, really quick, I just saw this crazy stat earlier today. Guess how many tackles Josh Jacobs broke this weekend? I, I saw a lot of them. <laughs> like, give me a number. I want both of you guys to give me a number. Probably like six, seven. Tyler? I was, I was going to say nine. Twelve. Twelve broken tackles. I don't care who you're playing against. It's still NFL players. So my guy, Josh Jacobs, it's not a victory lap because he plays the Saints this week and yeah, the Saints are probably going to shut him down. But, <laughs> shit, I'm feeling Let's good see. about Jacobs so far. So if you drafted Jacobs, good on you. you. It looks like you have a top eight running back on your hands right now. So we'll see how it pans out throughout the season. Um, but we'll get into these buy low, sell highs. This is probably the, my favorite uh, thing. So, Connor, I'll let you – guest of honor, I'll let you kick it off for us. All right. My first buy is – Detroit running back DeAndre Swift. He had um, not the best debut you could wish for, <laughs> dropping the game-winning pass. But when you actually look into it, he had his numbers were pretty impressive from uh, being coming off training camp injured and in your NFL debut. Uh, he led all Detroit running backs in snaps, 44% of snaps, uh, to Peterson's 30% and Carryon's 25%. Uh, and 21% of his 44% of snaps were in the slot or out wide. So that's a really good sign. So you're going to be getting a lot of targets, which he led. He also led running backs in with five targets. Could have had, He had three receptions. He should have had four. And then um, he had the one goal line carry uh, in that game, and he scored on that. And then he was in on all the two-minute drills and four-minute, like, at the end of uh, at the end of the half. And then – with the game losing drop, he uh, owners might be panicking, and you get a chance to buy low on him right now. And like I said, he's been hurt all camp, and he comes in and he 
looks like the starter there, even though AP got all the carries, but he was on the field the most. So it's a, it's a really good sign going forward. And AP is really good at this point in his career, but DeAndre Swift is the most talented guy in this backfield. I think he's going to win out exactly. in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, spend a, a 34th pick to sit on the bench all year. Exactly. Even though it is Matt Patricia. <laughs> Tyler, I'll let you uh, take over. Yeah. With DeAndre Swift, I know, Gadiel, you and I both own him in separate leagues. But like you said, like Connor said, like the, the, the fact that he was lined up on the outside, not just uh, lined up in the in the backfield, is very. It, it's it's good to see because we could see him lining up on the field with Adrian Peterson as well. And people will be kind of scared off by Adrian Peterson considering he got the bulk of the the carries in the backfield. But I'm not too scared about him. I think that Swift can still be very uh, fantasy relevant in a committee if AP gets uh, consistent like 12 carries a game because uh, uh, DeAndre Swift can be a factor in the passing game. And he's clearly the most talented back in this offense. I think that they really relied on Adrian Peterson because uh, like Connor kind of mentioned, he wasn't, he was hurt most of training camp and he was questionable going into this game. So uh, they, they had just added uh, Adrian Peterson the week before. So they, they kind of relied on him in that aspect, but yeah, I'm very, I'm, Still very high on DeAndre Swift because of the player that he is and what he can do in this offense. Uh, we've talked about it before, how Matthew Stafford has made use of receiving running backs in the past, and I think that he is going to make use of this. Not He's not a receiving running back, but he is a very good receiving back. Three down. He's a three-down three, workhorse he's waiting work to happen. Horse. But <laughs> he, with that said, he's he's very good at uh, receiving the uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, so – uh, Swift, even if, if you're uh, a little skeptical about him right now, I think that you should just hold on and uh, just just get ready for, for what's to come with DeAndre yeah. Swift. If you don't have him, buy him. For everything Connor said, like, this guy is essentially the anti-Karyon Johnson. Like, Karyon Johnson would get carries inside, like, from anything outside of the red zone. He would never get the red zone work. It would always be LeGarrette Blunt, Bo Scarborough, a generic running back off waivers. It didn't matter. It was just anybody but on Johnson. And DeAndre Swift comes in, one goal on carry, one touchdown. Uh, should have caught another touchdown. Uh, getting the targets, running outside, inside, playing slot. It doesn't matter. They, the, the way they used him, and even with no training camp, made me feel really, really good about him. So, yeah, I'm all in on buying DeAndre Swift. This is why you didn't want to pay that, like, fifth or sixth round price tag because you knew it was going to be a rocky start so now even if it's just a slight discount it's still a discount and something that based upon the way they're using him i think it's a really good buy to do um tyler do you want to go with your first buy before i get into my kind of rant about this one guy yeah, uh, with my first buy, I'm going to go with Hayden Hurst out in Atlanta. So, uh, obviously, we saw the three the, the trio of receivers in Atlanta kind of go off. They each got 12 targets, each got nine receptions. Uh, but the biggest surprise was obviously Russell Gage, who got nine receptions, 114 yards. And although I, I'm, I'm pretty high on Russell Gage, I've talked about him being that, that waiver wire pickup. Uh, last week like I, I don't think that he's going to continue to get that that 12 targets uh from week to week basis and uh I, I just don't think that this was a very good matchup for Hayden Hurst overall like he was matched up against a superstar in Jamal Adams and it just it didn't bode well for him he only got three catches for 38 yards 
And I think moving forward, for the most part, he's going to be matched up with better options. He's still in this Dirk Cotter offense. So you know that the tight end is going to be an emphasis in the passing game. And we know this, this Atlanta Fal- Falcons offense, like they're going to continue to pass. Matt Ryan threw the ball 54 times uh, the other day. So I, I don't think that – That's crazy. Hayden Hurst can't yeah. be quiet forever. So um, if whoever the Hayden Hurst owner is, whoever he is, like if he's panicking, like go take advantage of that and buy him low because he's still a guy that can be a tight end one throughout the season. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, I, I can't wait for Dan Quinn to get fired. I don't know where they went wrong in Atlanta, but Dirk Cotter is probably going to be the interim head coach, and that just means he's going to have more power. So this dude, he's 100% going to get Hayden Hurst involved. And like you said, no Jamal Adams. Uh, they also ran, like, they had, like, eight players in the box multiple times for the Seahawks. And they were just asking him to throw out wide. And it worked because they have good receivers, but Seahawks won the game. So I think Hayden Hurst, when he's asked to block less, is going to do way more. And it's not you're not going to be seeing eight guys and sending a ton of pressure every single game. So, yeah, I'm on board with buying Hayden Hurst. Um, so the guy that I want to talk about, a player that people are kind of taking victory laps about him not being like the best receiver, um, DJ Moore. So DJ Moore, I don't understand why people are kind of getting away from him right now. Um, he saw nine targets, 26% target share, 100 air yards, which was 36% of the Panthers air yards. And yes, Curtis Samuel and uh, Robbie Anderson had eight targets. Cool. That's great. I don't care. Christian McCaffrey had four targets. That is probably the most interesting thing for DJ Moore. If you're asking me, the Raiders are not good. They don't have good corners across the board. So it's pretty much an easy matchup regardless of where you want to go. So there's no need to just funnel it to one guy when you can spread the ball around and still produce, which is what the Panthers did. Um, DJ Moore is a guy that is going to get a ton of targets. His pace from yesterday is like, I think 144 targets and well over a thousand yards. Like if, if, you drafted him to get a ton of volume, and he's going to get a ton of volume. Um, I don't think it's going to be every week Robbie Anderson's getting a 75-yard touchdown and eight targets. Uh, he's just not that kind of guy. He's not a high-volume receiver. Curtis Samuel was more involved than probably we would like, but that also came at the expense of Christian McCaffrey. So DJ Moore is going to be involved on a week-to-week basis in one of the past heaviest offenses in the NFL. That's the reason you were buying him at draft. That's the reason you – I mean, if, like, if you're like me, you have him as your wide receiver one. Um, I've talked about DJ Moore time and time again, but at, like, I'm not worried about him in the slightest. I'm completely confident firing him up every single week. I don't care what the projections say. He's going to ball. If there's one player that I'd be slightly worried about in terms of target share in Carolina, it's going to be CMC, but CMC is CMC. So he's going to ball out regardless. Um, yeah, I just, I, I got my, my blood got boiling when I saw people on Twitter being like, Oh, DJ Moore is not who we thought he was. Yes, he is. He had nine targets, four catches. Any other day, that probably goes for seven catches and maybe 110 yards. So um, if you can get DJ Moore at a discount, maybe buy him as a wide receiver too, do it. Easy. All day. Yeah, this is one of my buys too. So I have him on like three or four rosters, and I'm not concerned at all. I'm, I'm excited for what's coming. Like I was looking at his upcoming schedule. Until the week 13 buy, he has Tampa, Arizona, Atlanta, New Orleans, Atlanta, KC, Detroit, and Minnesota. And, and there's a few tough matchups in there, but that's, I think, seven, eight great matchups in the next, yeah. uh, like, 11 weeks. Like, he's going to be just fine. And this is the perfect time to buy him. And Teddy Bridgewater, he looked really good. Yeah. Like, he was mobile. Like, he, 
he looked like right where he left off in Minnesota before the injury. Like he was looking like a good quarterback. Yeah. So, I mean, Connor, next, I, I think I'll, let's go through buys first before we go to sells. So just uh, keep rolling with the buys. Okay. Um, so I got uh, one of the, I, I just added this one right now. It's Tyler Higby. So I, I was really high on him before the season. And then he kind of came out and didn't really do much in the, in week one. And, Everyone's taking their victory laps already after one week on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty bad. So um but like the the Rams ran the ball like 39 40 times or something. Like that's not going to happen every week. Especially like the Rams are not going to be running the ball 40 times a week. That's not happening. <laughs> and uh so Higby was on the field 90% of the snaps. Like that's right where he was in the final 5 weeks when he was putting up historic numbers. Uh he was third in receptions and second in yardage on the team just behind Robert Woods. So um, he, we know how good he can be. We saw it last year in those, in those final five or six games. And I'm pretty sure Everett is hurt right now or he went down to an injury. So, yeah. and he, he had a, Everett had a really bad drop too. Like Everett did yeah, not. Look yeah. I did see that. Good. Yeah. Like that drop was bad. Um, yeah. yeah. If he, yeah, he'd be being on the field and 90% of his snaps is, really good to see and the Rams being in 12 personnel uh and a, a lot of that game is really good to see as well so he, he can he, he's gonna be a tight end one he's gonna be a top 10 tight end in my opinion so you, you gotta buy him right now yeah I'm not sure um did Jared did Jared Goff even throw a touchdown this week or was it just Malcolm I, Brown I I think it was just it was Malcolm Brown show yeah it was just a Malcolm okay so yeah like Connor said they're not gonna run that ball 40 times Jared Goff's not going to throw zero touchdowns. Like, And Higby also had, like, a 30% red zone target share last year. Yeah, and he only played, like, yeah. seven games. Like, he was yeah. just dominant <laughs> in that area. Uh, he's, I think he's going to be the number one red zone target. I think Cooper Cup yeah. uh, playing that outside role. I mean, they were running 11 personnel, uh, I think still, like, 60-something percent of the time, but way more 12 personnel than a lot of teams in the league. So, yeah. Higby being on the field is all you wanted to see week one. I mean, the production comes and goes. And mm -hmm. in the Rams offense, that workload is going to be relatively spotty for everyone not named Robert Woods, in my opinion. But still, you're looking at a guy that has top three tight end upside on a week-to-week -week basis. That's that's literally what you want. So, yeah, I mean, Tyler, if you have any thoughts on Higby, if not, roll it. Keep going with the sell or the buys, the buys, the buys. Yeah, I think you guys covered everything with Tyler Higby. Like the 12 personnel, like they're going to continue to use it because – I don't know. It just works better for this offense. So uh, just going to leave it at that. Uh, my next buy is going to be DJ Chark, who finished the, the last game with three catches, 25 yards and a touchdown. So obviously he had the touchdown that kind of lifted his, uh, his fantasy points and like overall just like made, made the, uh, the quiet game seem less quiet. But, you know, some, some owners may be concerned by the volume that he had. But overall, this Jacksonville Jaguars team ran 43 plays total last <laughs> on uh, Sunday, which I mean, I don't know what the average is. You usually see like 60 to 70 plays total for teams. They just ran 43 plays, and 23 of them were running plays against this, I guess, bad uh, Indianapolis Colts uh, defense. So, uh, yeah, um, DJ Chark only getting three targets. Gardner Minshew only threw the ball 20 times. He only had three targets? Yeah, and he caught all three of them. That's crazy. It was a very weird game overall in Jacksonville. Like, the, yeah. <laughs> the Colts were up big, and then 
They came back. Like, they only – like, Minshew only missed one pass the whole game, which is crazy. But um, as great as it, as it looks in Jacksonville right now, I don't think that they're going to continue the success. I think that uh, what we projected with the Jacksonville Jaguars – before the season is going to continue to happen, which is uh, them being in blowouts and Gardner Minshew going to have to throw the ball 35 to 40 times a game. And once that happens, uh, I, I think I'm, I, I really believe in DJ Chart to really turn up and make use of that volume because he, he still is the number one target in this offense. And if somebody's worried about that volume for DJ Chark, I would definitely take advantage of that. Hundred percent, like a hundred percent. That's crazy. He only had three targets. They only threw the ball twenty times. Um, I guess that's a testament to just how good Minshew really is. I mean, this, he's good. Like he's actually a good yeah. quarterback. Right. Uh, Connor, you were the one that said it. Uh, what, like two, maybe three months ago? You're like Gardner Minshew is actually a good quarterback, and he yeah. like your your bold prediction was uh, him Kyler outscoring Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler, I mean, yeah. Murray looked nice and all, but maybe once Minshew starts throwing the ball twenty more times a game, yeah, we could see. That prediction it's, maybe come I close think it's to being 26 true. Twenty six to twenty three right now, or something. Point in points for. Did I don't even know what Minshew had. Let me see. I think he had, he had twenty or twenty three. It was one of them. It was something like that. I know Murray. Murray finished. Yeah, he had, well. he had twenty point eight. So. Yeah, and he was uh, running the ball too, which was exactly. Good to see. I mean, he's he's just having fun out there, and like the Jags, as as bad as they might be, it's going to be a fun team to watch. And Sharks, their best player, he's probably the best player in the entire organization right now. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm 100% on board. If you can get a discount on Chark, by all means. DJ Moore, DJ Chark, just get all the DJs this week. Um, yeah, so um, do we have any more buys? I don't know, Tyler, you might have the list there. Uh, I got one more. I have Deontay Johnson up here, yeah. but I don't know if he's really a buy. I have him too. Connor, you can, you can uh, fire away with Deontay. Yeah, I mean, like he said, it, it might not be a buy, but he didn't – I think he was the lowest scoring wide receiver on the Steelers outside of Claypool, but he's not really on anyone's roster. So, um, but he had the most targets, the highest target share. And I think he, he played, he might've played on the most snaps. I think it was he played on 86%. I'm not sure what Juju had, but I didn't, I saw Juju off the field Yeah, on quite a few plays. So I'm pretty sure he led the team in snaps. So everything's looking up for him. And one, outside of the fumble and the, the first half, he, he didn't really play the best, but, from the second half on, it, it, he was looking like a stud out there. Yeah. And, and he had the low target, uh, average depth of target, which I, I, I think can go up. And oh, Big Ben sure. is really good. He, he can get – he can run a full route tree, which is, like, my favorite yeah. part about Deontay. Like, he's just so – not Antonio Brown, but, like, he's got that, like, com- like undersized but complete, like, uh-huh. X receiver vibe to him where he can do anything you want him to do on the football field. Yeah. And, I mean, he's just good. Like, he's good with the ball in his hands. He can run after catch. He can do a little bit of everything. He just started – I don't know what happened yesterday. He started so bad to watch – like, to start that game. It was terrible. Like, I was just the, – the fumble, he had a drop, like, mm-hmm. miscommunication with Ben, and then it just all looked up from there. So, yeah, I think you're looking at a guy that we've gone in the past, said that Ben can support two fantasy-relevant receivers. And typically the second – or first when Antonio Brown was there – uh, was the X receiver position and that Deontay Johnson exclusively played the X receiver position yesterday. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm all in on getting Deontay Johnson as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to come at much of a discount, but I yeah. think based upon the usage we saw yesterday, the ceiling is higher than anticipated. So mm-hmm. that is definitely something really good for Deontay. 
I mean, Tyler, yeah, Tyler yeah, is literally your guy. So how are we feeling about Deontay? Yeah, I think that he's probably going to be going at about the same value that he was going at before the draft, depending on who owns him. I think that if you're just talking about the guy that just took him in like the eight, nine, yeah, ten round range, like he's going at about the same value. Um, first half of the game overall, even besides the punt, uh, muff pump, like he looked bad. Yeah, like, it was just, just like very poor performance. And then I don't know what happened that second half of the, the game. I don't know if Big Ben talked to him or whatever, but like they looked to be like on point with each other. And obviously we saw that like Deontay Johnson got 10 targets. I don't know how much he got the first half, but I know that he got a significant amount more in the second half. So that definitely bodes confidence in me. It bodes confidence for Deontay Johnson. And overall, like I'm, I'm buying him because, uh, also because Big Ben, he also looked a bit rusty to begin the game. We didn't really oh, talk yeah. about that in the Monday Night Football uh, recap. But, yeah, he did not look very good to start. But once he made that, I think it was the throw to Claypool. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was insane. Which was just – That, like, like toe raw. tap? Yeah. yeah, that was raw. Claypool's going to be nice. I mean, th- that – he had, like, two nice catches yesterday. He had one where he got some run after catch. Mm-hmm. Um, I was completely – I was laughing when you guys drafted him. I was wrong. I was wrong. He looks. Trust me, dude. I, I dude, like, when they drafted him, I was not very happy just because, like, I don't know. I didn't see much besides the senior bowl tape, but, like, on, on the field, I didn't really, I didn't really like what I saw, but he looks a bit slimmer. I think that he came in on the combine. He was at 237. Yeah. He's playing at around, one. he's playing at around 230 or 228. So he lost about 10 pounds. So, um, yeah, tell. Claypool looked good. But, yeah, Big Ben, I think it was after maybe the first quarter, first and a half quarter, like, he, you could start to see, like, yeah. like classic Big Ben. And, like, I think the touchdown to Juju, the first one, was just, like, the perfect uh, – just, like, the perfect way to emulate that. Like, the back sh- – like, the on his back foot, just throw it up to Juju. Like, it that looked yeah, it like – It was soft, too. He floated yeah. in there. So, I mean – I actually was very impressed with the Steelers. I think their offense as a whole could actually be much more productive fantasy-wise than we anticipated, uh, specifically with Juju and Deontay, because, I mean, I don't know if what's the deal is going to be with the running back position, but I don't think it's going to be very pretty for James Conner owners, uh, seeing that he was hurt in, like, the first 10 snaps of the season. But anyways, move away from the Steelers here. I want to talk sells, and I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to start this off on my own. I'm going to go with – Personally, person, I think it's kind of hard to sell someone after one week, but someone that I had a ton of question marks about and this week one answered none of them, um, Chris Carson. Chris Carson, for me, with the workload, the opportunity share, everything just did not wow me. Uh, two touchdowns is great. Use that to your advantage. Trade him. Get him off your team. I don't think he's going to be a reliable RB2 this year. I just don't see it. Um, and here's why. So he only saw 45% of snaps. DJ Dallas wasn't even active. So that means Carlos Hyde and Travis Homer were taking the other 55%. So he's the lead back, but it's a committee. And last year, he only saw under 55% of snaps once in games that he did not fumble. Granted, he did fumble all the time. So some more context. Um, he only saw under 55% of snaps three times in the 14 games that he was healthy. So 11 of those games, he was the dominant workhorse in terms of snap share. And he was not to start the season yesterday. And I don't think 
that was any fluke. I think it is Carlos Hyde has a redundant skill set with Chris Carson. He's a slightly less better or slightly less good version of Chris Carson. So they have two guys that can grind between the tackles. But the biggest thing, the biggest shift um, for Chris Carson and why I would be selling him right now is the Seahawks from quarters one to three before it was a blowout. They were throwing the ball in on first, second, and third down 68.6% of the time compared to the last two years where they've been under 60%. So everyone's been talking about this hashtag, let Russ cook, like they're actually doing it. They let it happen. And if they're going to throw the ball a lot, Chris Carson, as I've said multiple times before, he's a volume-based back. Like he's a volume play. He's volume dependent. So if he's getting the ball a ton, great. But he got 12 touches yesterday, 50% of the touches. And that's with Carlos Hyde and Travis Homer. Like those aren't crazy names, but they're going to take away from him. And just use the use that big RB1 performance to get him and flip him for a better player. Flip him. I mean, if you can try to get like a Jonathan Taylor, great. Um, if you can try to get, I don't know, maybe even a David Johnson. I would honestly flip Chris Carson for David Johnson right now, although I'm not too high on Chris Carson. I just think there's, there's better names and better players that you can flip him for. Um, I think this is probably going to be his peak performance. I mean, last year, I think his best performance came in week one as well. He had two touchdowns, and like 100 yards against the Bengals. Um, this is a plus, like a plus matchup, bad defense for the Falcons. Um, the game script was honestly in Carson's favor and he still did not dominate in terms of opportunity or whatever. So I'm, I've been out on Carson, but after this week, I'm really out on Carson. Like if you have him trade him away, put him in a better place and put your team in a better place. Said it all. I, I agree. <laughs> and he was one of my cells too. Yeah. And, it, and just... he also, he was also only on 3.5 yards per carry against the Falcons defense, which isn't really good at all. Yeah. They just don't have – like, their old line isn't, like, built to dominate the run game. That's the problem. Like, I don't know who's even on their old line outside of Dwayne Brown, their left tackle. They just got, like, dudes in there, just, like, generic human beings yeah. <laughs> playing. So, yeah, that's that's my sell. Um, Tyler, any comments on Carson or just – I just want – I wanted to – I think that you covered it all, but I wanted to ask, would you rather have Chris Carson or Raheem Mostert? Raheem Mostert. I'll take the guy that's – I mean, Connor, we were talking about this before the podcast, but he's – the best running back in his backfield, like Carson, he's in the best run game or the best run scheme in the NFL. Like, and he's the goal line back and they run the ball around the goal line. Like they, the, the Seahawks just Russ scores a touchdowns, throwing the ball. So Chris Carson, you're not going to get a ton of rushing touchdowns from him. You're not going to get great efficiency. He's not a home run threat. Like Raheem Mostert, Raheem Mostert got five targets yesterday. Yeah. Um, that's a huge development. If he's getting targets, this dude could actually finish inside the top 12 this year, just kind of throwing that out there. So, yeah, I'll take Mostert. I think it's just a better situation. I feel more comfortable starting him on a week-to-week basis. Mm-hmm. And with all the Niners' uh, injuries right now on, on their receiving core, he could yeah. see five targets in the next few weeks. Like, each Absolutely. Game. So, oh, yeah. I mean, Mostert's coming off that good game, but I wouldn't even – I mean, I know, Tyler, you like comment on Mostert because I know you kind of want to say some stuff about Mostert. Uh, I mean, I don't have to say much just because, I don't know, he, he's still in the best uh, rushing offense for running backs in the mm-hmm. league, and he's going to continue to be the lead back, and he's going to continue to get, as long as he's healthy, like 14 to 16 touches. I don't know how many he got this week. 19. 19, so like he, it was a bit over what he was expected against um, not the greatest uh, defense or rushing defense in the Arizona Cardinals. So his, his value is a bit inflated right now, but like – 
I still see him as like a consistent guy. I don't know if I trust him as my RB two, but like he, I think he's a great flex to have. I was just going to ask another question and would you rather have Gurley or Chris Carson? Mm. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> That's tough because you know, I do not like Todd Gurley for fantasy purposes. Yeah, um, I think Dirk Cutter is the worst offensive coordinator for a running back. (laughs) I – and Gurley himself didn't dominate snaps either. It's like they're both kind of in the same situation. Um, Just both players I don't want to rely on. So, I'm just going to decline that question. I'm not going to answer it (laughs) because I don't think it's necessary. I think both of those guys honestly are sells for me right now based upon how they did week one. It's just Gurley didn't really blow up. But if he didn't fall into the end zone, everyone's hitting the panic button on Gurley. So, um, yeah, I'm going to – I'll defer that question to Connor if he wants to answer it. If not, we just get the next cell going and disregard uh, what Tyler just said. I'd probably, I'd probably go Carson, but I'll take Mostert over both of them at this point. I, I'm not a fan of Gurley. You're yep. just hoping for a touchdown and I maybe agree. a couple of receptions. Or no, you're, you're hoping for him to get a one-yard carry at the goal line. Like, that's the only <laughs> way he's been scoring in the past two years. So Yeah, that, that's what, I, what, what it was last year, and it's the same thing yeah. as you accept. He's in, like, an even worse offense for him. Yeah. Yeah. So – yeah, I think I'd take Carson as well, along with, like, what you guys said. I think that he displayed that he has pass-catching ability yesterday – or uh, Sunday, sorry, which, I mean, it was nice. He got six catches. Might have been a career high. So, I guess that's the one – I think that tied his – last year, I think uh, he had a game with six catches also on, like, seven targets. So, yeah, Carson, uh, probably his peak for the season. Anyways, Tyler, give me a sell. So, I was going to say Chris Carson, but I'm going to say uh, Melvin Gordon as myself for this week. Not necessarily because of the Philip Lindsay injury, but more so because of the the matchups that are ahead. Which let me check my uh, phone. Pittsburgh, right. Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. So, with Philip Lindsay going out, like people are expecting Melvin Gordon to be like a workhorse these upcoming weeks. And to kind of dominate, like, do build on what he did last night, which is what, like, I think 17 touches and a touchdown. And I think he finished with like 15 points. So they're expecting him to build off of that and be the Melvin Gordon that we've seen before, which is like a legit top eight RB1. And between these next like two or three matchups, I don't think that's going to continue. So. If you have the opportunity to sell him, like, very high, like, for a top 12 running back, top 14 running back, like, I would take that opportunity and run with it because, like, that's this is probably the peak value that Melvin Gordon's going to have all season. Ooh, I don't know about all season, but I'll say over the next three weeks. I'll say uh, against Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, like, I would take advantage of the Philip Lindsay injury. And if Philip Lindsay plays or doesn't play, I would just try to sell him uh, giving someone the thought that they're going to have an RB1 over the next X amount yeah. of weeks because Melvin Gordon's stock is – I don't think it's going to go up in the next two weeks. Like, F- Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay are legit as hell. They're yeah. so good on defense. So, like, that run defense is so scary for both teams. Like, I just – I own Melvin Gordon. I would try to flip him for Nick Chubb, uh, Kenyon Drake, Jonathan Taylor, if possible. Um those are just like three names that I tried trading him for today. Um, But yeah, I'm just, I like Melvin Gordon, but I understand a hundred percent where you're coming from because that schedule is about to be gross. 
and I do not, I do not want to play him in those weeks. And I just want to clarify, like I, I've been like a big proponent of Melvin Gordon throughout the off season. Like I, I, I've just been very high on him. I just like when I say that this is his peak value, I believe that this is going to be the one opportunity in the fantasy season where you could trade for a guy, like you said, like a Nick Chubb or a Kenyon Drake, especially with. Um, okay, sorry, I interrupt uh, this broadcast to say Allen Robinson just requested a trade from the Bears. What? Oh boy. And Le'Veon Bell just went on IR. I just got that too. <laughs> so a ton of news right now um yeah so i mean i guess alan robinson requesting a trade um that's huge this, i mean we kind of have to instant analysis here nothing to really look at but this would probably be bad for his fantasy outlook right because yeah. you drafted him because he was going to get like 160 targets yeah i don't think he's going anywhere where he's getting 160 targets yeah no and i mean oh, that sucks like houston would be cool um, yeah. I could see that. That'd be cool for Philly, but I don't know how he would fit there. Yeah, I don't know where he fits. That's, I mean, please for my Patriots, we need him desperately. <laughs> I wanted him in free agency, but I mean, that, that's probably the worst place for him to go as far as fantasy, unless you're talking about if yeah. you want to talk about like. Oh no, I'm talking about pure football. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, yeah, no, that is not a good place for fantasy purposes. It's going to be a downgrade wherever. So um. Love Allen Robinson this year. That sucks, though, and that's tough. Maybe, to draft maybe try to sell off the hype that he's leaving Trubisky. But... Yeah, if, if he lands in a good spot, I try to sell. If not, you just got to ride it out and see what happens. I mean, he's super talented, so yeah. um, he can still ball out wherever. Um, Connor, give me a sell. Um, another Panthers receiver is, for my sell is Robbie, Robbie Anderson. Um, he had a big game, and we just know he has a lot of big games in his career, but Picking that big game is impossible. It's always been impossible. Uh, so that's why I'm saying saying to sell high. I know he got eight targets, but Robbie Anderson has never been a target hog. Yeah. DJ Moore is the target hog in this offense, and he's going to be. We know that. We don't know that, but it, we can expect that. And I just don't his, – his play style isn't like an intermediate route guy that's going to just take nine targets a game. He's, he's getting those deep balls. He's making big plays after the catch. So if someone's buying into, like, a new team and Robbie Anderson's going to go, he's going to have a great year off of that, I mean, they, I would try to sell him to them because I'm not expecting the CMC to average three or four targets this year. I, I'd, I'd say he gets more games with six, seven targets. I just yeah. – it's, it's Christian McCaffrey. Joe Brady schemed uh, Clyde over Hilaire to 55 catches last year in uh, LSU. So I, I just don't see McCaffrey not being involved in the receiving game. And I just don't see um, Robbie Anderson keeping this up. And I, I I see him as like a top 30 guy at best, maybe a top 24 guy if everything goes right. But it, it's just extremely unlikely for him to keep up this good play or elite play. Yeah, so you can, you can take Robbie Anderson and try to package him with somebody else. Yeah. Um, sell him has as that good flex play. Sell him as someone that you can start every week with a ton mm -hmm. of upside because, I mean, if you're starting him, based upon what we've seen throughout his career, if you're starting him every single week, it's going to be a losing bet more often than not. Like, yes, he can have these boom games. Don't care. Consistency is what I want, and he's not going to bring that for you. So if you can sell him off a of big week one, absolutely. And speaking of someone that used to play for the Jets, we'll go to someone that currently is playing for the Jets. 
Jamison Crowder. Now, this one's interesting because his target share was huge. Um, I think he was like fourth in the league. It's 13 targets. Um, still, like, not impressed, although that one touchdown was insane. Like, that 60, 68, 69, nice yard yeah. touchdown. Like, uh, that was cool. But if you take that away, Jamison Crowder has another really, really boring day. And I don't know the next time Jamison Crowder is going to hit 20 points. So if you can sell him, same thing as Robbie Anderson, although Crowder will be more consistent. He does have a chance to be kind of like this year's Julian Edelman, but like a way worse version, like a top 25 version of him, just because he's going to get so many targets. Like he could finish with 150 targets easy and no one would be surprised because of how bad the are. yards. <laughs> exactly. Like he, <laughs> he could finish with 200 targets and like under a thousand yards. That's just what could happen for him. Um, so yeah, I would try to sell him on the fact that he scored a touchdown and he looked like the best player on the Jets. Um, Le'Veon Bell being out is cool, helps him. So I would say just take advantage and try to use that to take a step up to a more high upside player on a week-to-week basis. That's just how I'd approach Jamison Crowder. I also own him, also have been trying to trade him. No success. Um, but don't with these players, um, when we say sell, it's like sell high. Don't trade them for pennies on the dollar. Like, just because we say trade Chris Carson doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to go trade Chris Carson for Antonio Gibson. Like, no, don't do not do that. Get Antonio Gibson, like, another really, really good player. Like, don't just make stupid trades. This is not the way to win fantasy football. But definitely, if you can get these guys at peak value, if you can trade them at peak value, that's 100% the way to go. And if you can – the same thing applies for the buys. If you can buy someone low, do it. But if someone has DJ Moore and they're not trading him, like, I personally would. They're not trading him for anything lower than that third, maybe fourth round draft capital they put in him. Then don't get him because it's there's no point in making a trade offer if it's not better value than you could have gotten last week. So, yeah, that's just – I don't know if there's any other players that we missed, anything anybody else wants to talk about here. I'm good. Yeah. Oh, uh, one more thing about the Robbie Anderson thing. His big play wasn't really like a deep pass. Like, it was kind of like a 15, 20-yard pass, and then he made the big play out of it. Yeah. So, it's not like Teddy Bridgewater was firing it downfield to him. He, he <laughs> yeah, made the yeah. play by himself. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, good on you, Robbie Anderson. Um, I think that's just going to help DJ Moore because people are going to respect Robbie Anderson on the outside now. Yeah. Just open things up for DJ Moore inside. That's what we want to see. Um, yeah, so – Pretty much, that's it. Uh, if we can take away one thing from this, it's uh, buy Benny Snell. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. That wraps up our trade transaction episode going into week two. We are changing up our weekly podcast schedule, so we'll have our waiver episode routinely releasing on Tuesdays, a buy low, sell high episode like today's on Wednesday, and a weekly start sit podcast, potentially with a mailbag involved, on Saturdays. And as always, if you want us to answer your questions, make sure to ask us on social media. Our Instagram is at First Take Fantasy and our Twitter is at FT Fantasy FB. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.